This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code, the show up dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This was created for hardworking fathers. At this Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today, our guest is Pastor Craig Castor. Craig was VP of a successful development company in San Diego, California, when he was called into full-time ministry in 1993. Over the last 30 years, God has touched thousands of lives around the world through his counseling, seminars, conferences, and workbooks. He is the founder and president of FDM Institute, which provides free training and online resources to pastors and Christian leaders worldwide. Craig has been married since 1980. He has three grown children and four grandchildren and resides in the state of Texas. Welcome to our show, Pastor Craig. Good to be with you today, David. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and uh, just sharing what biblical discipline is all about. Um, I know right now, more than ever, a lot of people, they don't have a blueprint to be a parent, right? But from reading and through understanding and through through reading the Bible, there is, there is a blueprint for us in the way God wants us to disciple our family. Because I believe firsthand that our first ministry is our family. So thank you for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure, brother. And uh, yeah, as most people uh, would not know, because uh, uh, again, we're, we've, we've been so far removed and even our churches, you know, uh, what the Bible has to say about many things, especially when it comes to raising children. But God was a creator family, it was a man's idea. And God knew how difficult it would be. And uh, he wouldn't be very, very righteous and loving God if he would give us these wonderful personalities, uh, as some refer to as rugrats, uh, and give them to us in our care and not give us real clear instructions in how to raise them correctly. We know God is faithful, he's loving, he's righteous, and his word is absolutely complete in every aspect of loving our kids and training them, especially in this area of disciplining. Mm -hmm. Well, since we're talking about biblical discipline, I want to see if you can break down a definition or explanation of it. Um, how does it differ from punishment other fo- of other forms of discipline, if you don't mind? Well, yeah. Let, and, and, and since we have a little bit of time, I thought we'd just un- uh, unpack this a little bit because I know that, you know, doing this now for 32 years, yeah. uh, many people come to our, our seminars, our conference because they want to deal with the, you know, the discipline issue. You know, 
how do I spank my child and love it or whatever? They, you know, I've got this one strong-willed child and I, I don't know what to do with them. And so that's what usually most people would be, uh, are attracted to go into any type of health, uh, be it uh, as we call it professional or to a conference. But there's more to the discipline issue than just the discipline itself. There's some important foundational things that if they are out of order, David, it undermines everything that disciplines can do. Mm -hmm. and, and the first thing is, again, uh, is the environment in which parents create at home. When uh, loving communication, and uh, when I say loving communication, God's word in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, within those four verses, God gave us real clear uh, definition of what love is mm -hmm. and what it's not. And most people, when I read that and I go through the, the breakdown of each word, of the, what those mean and what they don't mean, uh, I would say most of the time uh, there's a third or more people crying. Mm -hmm. And you can see the heart heartbreak because there are things that God says, this is what love is. And if you do anything in the opposite and you practice it and you ignore it, worse is you blame your child for the way that you just, you know, behaved in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, you are creating an, an environment that discipline won't work. And so, uh, as we know, God's word says we are made out of dirt, out of the soil, men were anyway. And just like dirt, when you walk on it, you pound on it, uh, you harden it up. And so when a seed tries to hit it, it stays on top. In the same way, when a parents uh, amongst themselves or toward their children are not taking responsibility and working at creating a loving environment, Mm -hmm. They become the greatest tool of the enemy to keep the, the, the disciplines when they're given, the seeds of disciplines at those moments, from penetrating the hearts of their children and germinating and growing. And so it's really important when people are talking about, you know, uh, disciplining their children, that they know that without a loving environment that's created, worked at, maintained within the house, between the husband and wife, as much as it is toward the children, if it's not done, then it will undermine no matter what plan you have, especially uh, as you begin to reap it at pre-adolescence and adolescence. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've counseled thousands of, of uh, children through adolescence and raised in good Christian homes, but there were, this was an, an, an area where they never really considered, you know, and, and uh, the importance of this loving environment. So that's really critical when you're talking about discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, most parents think also that if you're disciplining your child, if you're not angry, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And which is, uh, I always, uh, you know, I've asked many, so who told you that? Mm -hmm. Right. It came from the pit of hell or your parents, one of the two. And <laughs> so both are probably aren't very trustworthy, right? And so, uh, and people don't realize that 55% of communication is visual. Mm -hmm. We often think that if we're not disciplining with our anger and ticked off face, that, uh, you know, again, it's not going to work. And, and so uh, to help us, to help parents realize, you know, your loving environment, facial expression. Who said we had to be angry, upset uh, in order for discipline to work? Nothing besides our flesh or the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, we never seen God stick his face to the crowd and, you know, put that same face on that we put on toward our kid. You do that one more time, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we've never seen it. 
And yet God says, I want you to glorify me. Mm. And I know that my own experience, uh, my, uh, I was raised in a home that discipline was only done one way. And mm -hmm. so when I got married and we had our first child, he was a strong-willed mule. I'm talking strong-willed. And uh, as I shared in our books and my training that uh, I do is that that little boy was able to get me angrier than any human being by the time he was three years old. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't understand it and as I was crying out to God saying, you know what, you know, someone's going to die in my house. I know it's not going to be me, but I, you said this kid's a gift, but I'm looking for the exchange store. Something's wrong. Yeah. And the problem was me. And God finally said, you know, Craig, this is me. I made him perfect. Look what I'm bringing out of you. Wow. Hmm. Look at the evil. This is dwelling in you. When you, I called you unto myself, I saw you. I saw all of this in you. I made him perfect to use as my fingers to shape and mold you and bring forth to you, reveal to you what is wrong. Man, I'll tell you what, that brought me to such tears and repentance. And I had to go to my little boy and say, son, I am so Sorry. Of course, he's looking at me all strange, like, okay, cool, dad, you know, great. But I had, I, when I finally accepted the fact that God was using the strong willed child mm -hmm. as a tool for me and revealing my anger and the things that I had within me, I, under, I accepted that and I quit making excuses and justifying any ungodly behavior. And then knowing how to cooperate with God's disciplines, which means, which we'll be talking about today is I had to acknowledge my, my face, my tone, my anger was sin, and I had to confess it. And then I had to go to my son and say, son, you know, what you did was wrong, but what I did in response was wrong also. Forgive me. As I faithfully did that, a mm -hmm. miracle took place. I witnessed the sanctification, the transformation that God promised. And my boy witnessed his father change, and my wife did too. And my other two children were just absolutely, you know, in comparison, I don't want to use the word saints, yeah. but they were easy, compliant children, praise God, in comparison to my first one. But God knew exactly what I needed. And I thank God that he got, by the time my son was four and five years old, he really had my attention in this area. And thank God I changed drastically because I was bringing the fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and allowing my anger to be part of every bit of my discipline. And because that's all I knew. And again, I, I can't blame my father. My father, compared to his dad, you know, did better, much better than his dad did. Yeah. But still, uh, there was only one way to discipline. So mm -hmm. I would say, David, one of the things as we talk about discipline is that first thing that they parents need to consider is, what have I allowed to, to be practiced? What environment have I established in my home that's loving communication? And again, that goes between a husband and wife, because when there's arguments and debating and, and harshness between the two of you, yeah. uh, between two, you know, husband and wife, that again is so toxic. And um, you can get away with it until pre-adolescence, adolescence, and then that all that stuff starts manifesting itself. And that's another whole story over why so many kids are so easily gravitating towards certain harmful and destructive behavior, because it's an antidote to deal with the pain that they witnessed growing up. 
Yeah. As uh, I think that your testimony probably <laughs> reflects that, my dear brother. Yes. <laughs> so that that loving environment needs to be uh, found seen as a foundation, a priority to any form of discipline you're going to do. Very, very important. The second thing that needs to be considered is the management style. Mm -hmm. Now we know, uh, you know, traditional families are now the minority. I've heard statistics anywhere between 38 to, you know, 46% or whatever uh, are traditional families. Uh, the, the, you know, a lot of them are blended. Then we've got, you know, many different birds. Uh, um, the single parent family is, uh -huh. is not been real good numbers for the census is because many people are living together and saying they're, they're, uh, they're single parent, but they're actually with, living with someone. So anyway, the fact is traditional family is no longer the minority. Right. So blended families and single parent families is is more common. But uh, when there is a husband and wife in a home, the management style is absolutely essential also. We know that in God's word, he has established the authority. Now, I want to say this to our listeners. This does not mean men are better. Ask your wife. She'll, <laughs> she'll validate that. Has nothing to do with value has nothing to do with smarter, has nothing to do with earning, not a thing with it. It just happens to be a management style that God says, I established this, this management style, and if you follow it, you're following my way. Because a father represents Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He represents the priest, the authority in a house. This is God's perfect plan. And one of the reasons why we're having such gender confusion today is the fruit in, of, of the consequences of even Christian families having no concept of a biblical management style that God wants their children to observe, to witness the authority of the father, the, the unity between the husband and wife and working together in unity. But the father is the ultimate one responsible to make sure the environment is kept right and the discipline plan is, is consistent. It is not the mom. And in most homes today, it's the mother setting the rules, coming up with the disciplines and, and following through and dealing with the majority of all the disciplines in the house. This is completely out of order and brings much confusion to young boys is why we see this vulnerability to this demonic oppression of, you know, being the, what gender you wanna be along with the young ladies today being so uh, vulnerable to the temptation, you are woman, you are equal. Do not even begin to embrace any concept of submitting to a man and being a wife according to the biblical mandates or instructions. And I know that both men and women are, are have ownership to why this has turned toxic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, what they say back in the, you know, uh, I think it was 1950s, the, the number one scripture most Christian men knew and had memorized is women submit unto your husband. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've had plenty of men say that to me. I said, well, just keep reading the next three verses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'll realize, ding dong. Right. <laughs> There's a lot more to that scripture. Uh, this word submit, uh, it means a voluntary attitude of giving it in and, and trusting Christ. <laughs> it doesn't... You know, 
you got married and most of us had no idea what it meant to be a husband or a father. We proved to our wives within the first few weeks of our marriage were ding-dongs. And uh, most men never take the time to be discipled in how to tend and to their wife or their children. And a wife knows when her husband's ignorant. It doesn't take long for her to observe that. He knows when they don't know what they're doing and they're just trying to, you know, grabbing straws as they're going. This does not make a wife feel secure and yeah. want to follow that man at all. But yeah. this toxic and this, this mismanagement style has really created a lot of women. Then they go off to college and be told the same thing, you know, and uh, so they create a, a competition environment uh, in their home. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's 50, 50 type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, we should work in unity and 50, 50 and everything that we've agreed to do. But when it comes to the leadership of a house, it's very clear that a husband needs to use his helpmate that completes him to mm -hmm. come up with this environment to come up with the rules, to come up with the discipline plan and the follow how they can do the punishment. Yes, he needs the involvement of his wife, but when they present it to their children, it's presented that these are dads. He is the authority. And the wife says to his children, and he is my protector. Mm -hmm. And he is not here, uh, I'm the boss. And if you mess with my, the rules that I'm submitting to my husband with, then you're messing with him. Now she keeps herself under that wonderful, loving protection that they need and, and never steps out and puts herself out. No, these are the rules I want. This is what you're going to do. When a wife puts herself out in that, uh, that authority position mm -hmm. and starts creating that, she will pay dearly come adolescence. Wow. Oh, man, do they? You will pay. And uh, not only that, it, the marriage suffers. Yeah, uh, a huge way because the wife, when she puts herself there, she'll find herself debating and arguing uh, with their, especially if you have daughters, uh, you know, pre-adolescence, man, you'll have lengthy uh, discussions that turn into arguments with mom because mom's taken on a position that has a husband at home, taken on a position that she was never supposed to have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, without, and so knowing how to present this management style, showing mm -hmm. parents how to lovingly sit down together. Yes, what are the rules? What are the forms of discipline? Here's how we're going to do the motivators, and we're going to agree on that. But we're going to present this to the children with the with the clarity that we yes we did it together, but these are dads. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've already noticed, David. Yes. When you say something and speak, you will see that there's a, a little different attitude from your, you got two sons, right? Yeah, two sons and a daughter, yes. Okay, and a daughter. So you have a little princess too. She's the youngest one? She's the eldest. Oh, actually. she's the eldest. How old is she now? <laughs> she's 17. Ah, okay. You're right in the thick of it. Oh, so. man. <laughs> <laughs> she's an amazing kid, though. Yeah, she's... she's <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I know my daughter was just the easiest girl in the world to, uh, to, to raise, praise God. Um, so in any case, that uh, when they, they know that that's the system, um, mm -hmm. and when dad steps in mom, uh, and, and, and says, look, if you want to change something, you come see me. You don't go to mom and debate with mom. You don't argue with mom. You don't question mom. You come, I'm the one. If you want to make some changes, I'm it. 
-hmm. And when a mom sets it up to the wife, sets it up, this is my protector. He is my protector. He loves me more than he loves you. And he's going to make sure your, your struggle with God's perfect plan of authority and discipline, if you have a problem with that, you have it with him. I'm not going to be the one arguing, debating why God set this whole system up. Mm-hmm. So it's not losing any authority. It's, a, it's a, everything we need to do needs to be done in unity. Mm-hmm. But how it's presented and how it's managed so a wife is not adding rules when the mom, dad's not there, not coming up with different ones, not negotiating, nor not following through. Mm-hmm. God made women these wonderful emotions. Praise the Lord. They balance this out. But God doesn't want those wonderful hearts and emotions that God gave wives or mothers to dictate if they follow through with discipline or not. And certain strong-willed children know that moms are typically more easier to be worked and manipulated. And so they try to do that so the disciplines don't follow through. And so it's very important that a mom knows that when you hold back discipline, when I say correct discipline, you're actually hating your child. Hebrews 12, 5, and 6, we'll talk about that in a moment. Discipline done correctly and scourging or punishment done correctly is love. That's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when, 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 a, when a mother and father come up with a plan of disciplines and rules and punishments, that if the wife lets or the mother lets her emotions dictate if she follows through or not, it's, it's undermining the man's authority and unloving, not loving her children. So those are things that we, we unpack very clearly in our workbooks. And I know that we didn't really mention that, but at fdm.world website, all of our materials free, all our workbooks that has all this material in there. But we break down each of these these, uh, principles and the consequences when they are not followed. Mm -hmm. Again, this has nothing to do with better. It's the way God designed us and how he says, this is my management style. Here's what I want you to follow. And if you do, you're going to, you're going to get in my grace to follow through and to do it right. And, you know, uh, but whenever we redesign something that's outside of God's will, Mm -hmm. there's consequences Mm -hmm. every time, uh, both to our children, to our marriage, but, you know, to to society. So, uh, uh, again, that management style, how you set that up is important. Now, I speak just briefly to the blended families and single parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the mistakes, top three reasons why blended families end in divorce is over the children's issue. The fighting, debating over her children, my children, how things are done, what have you. It's a, it's a major issue. And, and I know that uh, I've done you know, many marriages over the years. And uh, one of the things that we spend a lot of time in is making sure they understand the biblical mandate that they are entering into as a husband and wife. Um, they are taking on a role not to um, to force the children to call them mother and father if they're the stepmother and dad, but to know that their role in that relationship in the marriage is what God said to do. And when you say I do, you're accepting that role. Again, it's not forcing the children to call you mom or dad, but that authority, that management style, that system that's biblical with defined rules and disciplines and punishment, 
needs to be done in absolute unity because you saying to God, you're making both making a commitment. God, we promise to run our, our marriage and our family according to your word. Mm -hmm. And when you redesign again, the system where it's these are your kids, my kids, disciplines, inconsistent, whatever else, man, it brings such contention between the husband and wife. Again, top three reasons why uh, they blended families and in divorce. I have counseled again, hundreds over the 30 some years of people that have been struggling in this area because uh, they even got supposedly Christian advice that was contrary to God's word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, single moms or dads, uh, this is difficult. One of the most difficult things in the world to do is raise children on your own. Mm -hmm. Being a single mom raising kids is so, so hard. Mm -hmm. It was not God's plan, but Single parents have been around for over 4,000 years. We've yeah. got documented history of single parents. They've been around for a long time. And so God's word is sufficient and he's clear on what needs to be done. And yes, I know it's hard when you don't have that support um, of a, a spouse that's helping you and working together. And this is a, a very important ministry the churches. Um, you know, where we take a part, you know, if we're going to say there's a reason for children's ministry, well, it would be for the single parents. Uh -huh. uh, how do you bring people and, and around to help that? Uh, and, or a good mentorship program in a church where dads can step in and work with, uh, you know, moms that have little boys or whatever else. These are very, very important things. The body of Christ can do. That's very important. But even in that, what we're going to talk about here in a moment it doesn't change if, you, if you're a single parent. God's reason why we discipline and God's process of discipline, which means training. Those don't change. Neither does a loving environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's hard being a single parent. It is hard. It's frustrating. And so coming to the end of yourself yeah. and just losing control. Um, and raising your voice and getting angry, uh, you know, but only by God's grace, uh, as we abide in him on a daily basis, uh, are we able to stay calm and stay consistent with the, with the plan. So uh, even though it's challenging, God's grace is sufficient. We know that God says, come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and mm -hmm. I'll give you rest. He's not a liar. He is faithful. They'll give them that rest, that strength, that grace they need to endure and stay consistent with the discipline plan. Mm -hmm. So those are uh, some uh, very important, we call foundational things, uh, David, to uh, the discipline that's often overlooked, just mm -hmm. like not considered. Now, give me the rules. Give me the way, best way to, you know, discipline them. You know, let's just, that's, that's the focus. Yeah. And uh, uh, and so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I know that may open up many other doors, uh, but that's okay. We can probably work that in. Mm -hmm. So those things are our priorities. The okay. next thing, any questions before I yes. roll into the next one? <laughs> yes, I do. There's a ton of stuff in there that you said. That, <laughs> and you um... said you weren't going to ask any questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... You did talk about like how the environment is actually takes precedent over the discipline itself and how 
it's not the mother that actually creates the environment. It's the father that does that, which I've seen in our own relationship. Even though my husband was out of town, a lot of the time when he would come home, the environment would instantly change. Um, and then also you kind of paint this picture, uh, uh, well, not kind of, but you lay out this um, foundation of how a family should operate, which I think is absolutely beautiful. And most people want it to operate in that functional way. Uh, being somebody that grew up in a very dysfunctional household, I did see where my mom undermined my father and she did not trust my father to be the head of household, not only because we didn't grow up in a Christian environment, but because I know that my mother brought in generations of trauma in, into the marriage. So I feel that I witnessed this many times in marriages and also in our own, where the woman will undermine the husband because she does not feel that the husband is safe and making safe decisions, right? So like the two parents will have very different ideas of how the discipline is going to be. They're not unified in it, as you discussed. Yeah. And so the mother comes in and kind of undermines the husband. And that makes everything very unstable for the children because they know that no rules are going to hold, right? Because the two parents can't even get it straight. But if you're living in a situation where you know that your husband isn't fully healed, as a wife, you feel a primal need to protect your children. Yes, you do. <laughs> so how do parents get on the same page? Excellent, excellent question. And, and I want to say to you, my dear sister, amen. <laughs> okay. So you, you, you asked about six questions in that, and I'm going to try to address a few moments of each. And I know it's, it's another uh, wonderful uh, areas to explore, to get more detail in. When you look at the majority of people coming to Christ today, come from what we call a toxic environment, where you witness, as you said, a mother that came from trauma, that never went to the cross, never, no one ever discipled her. Do you know what provisions God gave you in his word to find complete healing so the sins of those who failed you will not infect your relationships today with God, your spouse, and your children? Most people have never been discipled in the gift of forgiveness and reconciliation and healing. And that's a, that, that the church has a lot of ownership and, and the responsibility because of the ignorance and the, the lack of priority of that. Uh, many people are coming to church, they're getting saved, but these scars and wounds are still there. And they're, not, they're manifested when it comes to, you know, a, a woman getting married and then she, she marries a guy that has no clue, came from another toxic environment, and he screams and yells and threatens and thinks that's going to work. And so that just brings up all that hurt and that pain. And so, yes, your motherly instincts given to you by God is I got to protect them from this big old goofball. Absolutely. It's normal as ever. So the, the, the proper thing to do when that manifests itself, uh, if our churches are operating correctly, we go to our pastor and say, you know what? We got married and we said, I do. And guess what? We have no idea how. Right. Mm -hmm. So we need to be discipled. Yeah. And so one of the first things that we always did, you know, that I, I trained pastors on doing this, is how do you first investigate? 
where they came from. What did they bring in, like your experience, what did we bring in that we haven't dealt with properly? Mm -hmm. And uh, you didn't realize that your mother, even though she did it out of a human instinctive response, and it and and you know, there's many degrees of what people would consider what is abuse. Yeah. But anyway, regardless, the fact is, if she never was healed and sought healing through forgiveness from the Lord, now that's imparted to you, and so you know that God didn't have you experience that. So the combination of that and the curse of Eve to usurp the authority of your husband working in unison. Mm -hmm. Wow. It makes it real easy for you to go, you know what, dude, you know what the heck you're doing. So not stop. We're doing this. And so yeah. that happens. What happens between the two of you? Yeah. yeah. It creates a huge uh, in the middle. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this is common. So if you would go to the right person, they would say, let's talk about your upbringing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So all these things happen to you. So have you ever, do you understand what your mom owed you by your mom not knowing that was a debt? Her showing love and affection, priority and submission to your father actually met a need that God placed within you that only she can fill. But out of her ignorance and her wounds, she had no idea that she owed you that debt. And so that that's caused this void. It's leaving you vulnerable to what you're experiencing today. And the only thing you can do at this point is accept the fact that God wanted you to observe that, see that, live that. Mm -hmm. But out of their ignorance, they didn't. So are you ready to forgive your mom? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And are you ready to accept the fact that he's not going to apologize to you and say, whoops, I gave you the wrong mom. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when you accept the reality of God's sovereignty, God, you didn't make a mistake. You saw this. You never, you didn't have the experiences to cause me to continue to sin and, and duplicate this generation's afford. But Lord, I'm going to accept the fact you have a reason in this pain. And so I'm going to forgive my mom. I'm going to tell her, mom, I, I know you did your best. And I understand dad didn't know what he was doing. But what you did in response to that, uh, I know it hurt me, and I love you, and I, but I need you to hear me or write it or in a prayer if they're deceased. I'm forgiving you, and by my words come out of my mouth, I am healed by the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Nothing your mom can say, do, or change can take that heal you. Nothing. The healing of the heart can only happen through the, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Only. No human being on earth has the power to heal you that God did. And so now the, the, the great thing is we have all the power to find the healing. It has nothing to do if they accept it, validate it, what they do, what they change or nothing. You have the power by when you tell your mom, I'm, I'm forgiving you. And I'm not saying you purposely did it. It's not that, but I, I'm just letting you know I forgive you because I'm looking selfishly for my own healing. So the sins or the voids in my life has nothing to do with my relationship to God and my obedience to him today. Hmm. So yes, what you just brought up, I would say, my dear sister, well over 60% of the people that come in for counseling that are struggling, they're not evil people. I mean, they're the wives that want to be, you know, do the right thing and love, be the best wife in the world, mm -hmm. but they don't know the stronghold. They don't know how do I get to it. Mm -hmm. And in that wound, can be heavy yeah i mean i'm dealing with one here now that's you know what her her dad did to her from five to nine years ten years old was just appalling mm -hmm. and um and so walking through that forgiveness is difficult so my point is so we got that 
And what I want to say something else to you also is that is it's not the father being responsible. It, it is a unified agreement, but uh, of, of creating this loving environment. Yes, it the buck starts with him. He needs to make sure he's setting the example. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I say that, because we know that do women get angry and get upset and yell at their kids? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. And so when a, a husband's responsible to lovely know how to come alongside his wife, become a team to help each other with this plan, to help that stop. And I know that a lot of men go, you kidding me? If I go tell my wife, honey, let's go take a little walk or what? She, uh, you know, she won't sleep with me for four days. Well, that's what goes along with it. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice, <laughs> the consequences by leading. So um, we have to learn how to do this in unity and in love and what have you and work together in that and just not stop making excuses. And when parents understand how to cooperate with God's plan of discipline, by confessing to him and asking for forgiveness, a miracle takes place. We hmm. begin with this change. So I, I'm so pleased that you brought that up because what you just shared is a majority. And, okay. and why the body of Christ, since we are not making discipleship a priority, how many women are stuck in this place because they married a person who was ignorant, who used yelling, twisted face, anger as a form of discipline with these little two-year-old, one-year-old children, mm-hmm. which provoked your motherly instincts to protect. Don't you see that face when it's doing this little boy? You know, moms have been given the ability to feel the hearts of their children. Mm-hmm. We don't have it. Yeah. I mean, I'd come home and the, my, the chores weren't done. Hey, Nick, go take care of this. Oh, yeah, baby, I rough this. Life's tough. Go take care of it. You know, my wife felt their pain. Mm-hmm. I, I learned that, you know, by the time they were, you know, six or seven years old, my wife actually felt something I never felt that balanced me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those feelings are not to dictate when and if and how we discipline. Mm-hmm. We agree with the plan. We need to stay consistent and unified because a wife's priority is her husband. And when a husband's not feeling as he is the priority second only to Jesus Christ, I'll say it again. When a husband does not feel he's second only to Jesus Christ, because the greatest need a man has is affirmation. If she's not fulfilling that and putting her kids first in any situation, he is feeling unfulfilled because that's something God placed within him that only she can fulfill and has nothing to do with deserving. Mm -hmm. Because we all deserve what, David? Grace. We deserve the pit, but we, yeah, we, <laughs> we need grace. We deserve, we deserve the pit. We need grace. <laughs> so, I'm just blown so, away by what you said. So, yeah, yeah but and, and so a man knows. I mean, the sad thing is, no, no, we weren't disciples. So when we feel that knife come in and start turning, we know this whatever we're doing, whatever's going on right now, it ain't feeling good at all and it's ticking me off. And yet we aren't been, been able to counsel or disciple to say, honey, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By you doing this and undermining that, that's like, that's jab. That is complete opposite of what I need. Now, if a man is screaming and yelling, he needs to repent and say, I'm sorry, I need to break this habit. I, I need to represent Jesus Christ in all situations. But this is where, again, it's a teamwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Working together with these areas, but, 
but you can't be a team if you don't have a vision. Mm -hmm. I like that. So, you know, why we have all these books, (laughs) you know, four manuals that take each segment, foundational principles, intimacy in Christ and God's grace, how to tap in that God's transformation and purpose, loving environment, and then two on discipling or discipline our children. Um, each one of these things, again, these are things that God wants us to know, not just so we would glorify him in our homes and do it right, but so we'd be able to do it to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every believer, I'll say that three times, every believer, every believer that's coming to our church has no idea how to be a husband, wife, or parent. Hmm. Yep. Every. I think that's the majority of people in general. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, well, again, I haven't met one yet in yeah. 32 years. So uh, if we don't take the time, and I'm not saying this because I got it. I was the idiot that was, I mean, made every mistake in the world is because I loved God and I knew I was a rotten husband and father. Yeah. It's what provoked me. I had no desire to be in ministry at all. I just knew this. If I say I love God and I stay ignorant and things aren't right, I know they're not right. I better go do something about it. I had no intention to be talented to anybody. Mm-hmm. I, 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 was, I was selfishly seeking, God, I need help. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, but from that, as you dug into God's word, I just was blown away. All these things are so clear when you're hungry and you want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like the things we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So did that answer your question, my dear sister? That did answer my question. Uh, because as a wife that used to be a former underminer, I've gotten a lot better at it. I can definitely say I really wanted to trust my husband and I really wanted to believe um, I wanted him to step, step up and be that authority over me. Honestly, I wanted to be able to go to him, to look to him for guidance and to be the person that helped me set the tone and the environment of the household. I came into it undermining him because he had brought his own traumas in. I brought my own traumas in. I watched my mother undermine my father a lot of years. And, you know, honestly, I just, I really wanted to be in a place where we work together and we're in unity, but I couldn't because like what you said, I didn't know how. And then just that picture that you painted of that, the fact that Eve will have this feeling of wanting to you know be a usurper to her husband that also brings in this generational stuff to the the marriage that you don't really see or think about and I also feel like that spirit almost might be behind the feminist movement as Mm. well (laughs) (laughs) I know that's all that's a whole nother conversation but I just want to say for for husbands that feel like their wife undermines them, like just know that your wife really does want to trust you. She really does want you to be the head of household. She just has things to work on. And maybe you even have things that you need to work on. What but. you just said is so important because in most cases, the wife is saying, honey, let's get help. Let's get help. Let's read something. Let's go get help. Yeah. And, and men are going, no, I don't need anything. I, don't need anything. I, I got this. So you're the problem, you know, and that's the attitude we we many men have and you know it's our pride uh a lot of the our father issues that uh think that we have to pull up our bootstraps and you know learn how to do this on our own and that you know hey, if you love me then i wouldn't have to go do anything to improve myself which is again just 
foolish, stupid pride that most of us men have. Mm -hmm. And so that's why setting the environment at church is very, very important. You know, every believer that comes in needs to be exhorted every Sunday, one way or another. You know, we all came to Christ knowing absolutely nothing, and nothing means absolutely nothing. And when it, when God gives you something as significant and important as a wife and a child and children, if you rely upon your understanding and or your experiences, you are walking in sin. Mm -hmm. Wow. And the sin of omission, being ignorant, doing your own way, and the sin of commission, doing the opposite, are the same consequences. Mm. Pain, misery, frustration, confusion, bitterness, depression, all of that is, is being ushered in. God will not bless disobedience, mm -hmm. even wow. ignorant disobedience. And so the message may be made clear to every church, to every believer that's coming in. Hey, guys, you know, you're saved. You know, you get baptized. We need you to do the foundational principle uh, of class so you understand who the deity trinity atonement is we need to get you understanding these christian things but if you've been given these things if you don't make the time to learn how to do it there you are suffering this church is going to suffer and our society is going to suffer and you're going to set a generation of sin with your own children out to continue to suffer which is satan's plan yes yeah so uh the idea of, of being part of a church and with intention answering that call to be a disciple to become a student and take the time to do like just the things I've shared with you, you know, in this short period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know if those who are listening are going, Oh my gosh, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I know that I don't sure. And I've been married. My kids are teenagers. They moved out of the house. I don't know that. I sure don't feel confident at this point in my life in my forties, fifties, sixties to disciple another man in these things. What I just heard and yet I've been a Christian for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, shame on us, but God warned us of the condition of the church prior to his return, and we are definitely there today. So mm -hmm. it, the church is very complicit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's the bride of Christ. Where there's many good things that are going on, wonderful, you know, that the church is doing, but there's some significant priorities that are being, um, not being taken care of. And this is one of them. I mean, I've, I've counseled, you know, 99% of people that come to saw me over the years of, of, of counseling. They're good Christian people that wanted to know, mm -hmm. really want, love the Lord, wanted to know. And um, sadly, some of them went to therapists, psychologists, for <laughs> never used the word to examine nor to give instruction, which is a shame. But uh, they wanted to know, but no one took the time to disciple them. Mm hmm Mm -hmm. And this is the, again, the other part is that someone has to be ready to start the journey to learn and receive God's word and instruction. But the, the awesome thing is, no matter where we came from, as you both know, especially you, David, Mr. Tattoo Boy, <laughs> God's grace is absolutely promised and sufficient to give us the ability to do everything and anything he's put to our hands to do. Mm -hmm. He's not limited mm -hmm. at all. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the from the dead that is in our dwells within us that gives the ability. Whatever management style, whatever leadership role, whatever role as a wife or as a husband, or as a parent, God says, I'll give you all the grace you need to accomplish it and do it right. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a journey. 
Yes, we're in the process of being transformed along the way, which is one of the principles of why God created marriage or parenting is transformation. I've shared the story about my son being made perfectly as a strong little mule to uh, reveal things in me that uh, God said I hate. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, did he reach down the depth of parts of me that uh, was ugly, mm -hmm. very ugly. I didn't realize how much hatred and bitterness and anger I had inside. You know, I knew when I, me and my dad didn't get along and some of the things I did out of high school and in the high school, I had a bad fuse, but I thought after I got saved, all oh, that's gone. Well, it wasn't gone. Mm -hmm. So God knew exactly how to reach down and show me it was still there. But man, he walked me right through the transforming process. Now, how much time do we got? Because we didn't get too much into the discipline yet. <laughs> We're still good on time, Pastor. We're still okay. good. About 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move on to another one that's very, very important. Okay. So we get the management style. And uh, the next question I would say to people is understanding why we need to discipline our children. Um, many people, immediately when I, because I've asked many again, uh, is they say, well, because they're bad. Um, well, because they're little balls of flesh and and those are all, you know, all true statements. They come to us, and we know the Bible is very clear. You know, train up a child when he goes, when he gets old, he will to depart from it. That's, that's really an idiom that tells us that we need to adapt to the personality without compromising God's truth. Mm. So it's not, it's not a guarantee at all. It's an idiom. It just means we have to adjust. Just with my three children, my oldest one was a strong-willed mule and would, would, would uh, get 10 disciplines to to my son, Justin's one every five days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We didn't change the system for Justin or for Nick. We had a system that stayed consistent because he was strong-willed. He got a lot more disciplines and, and I went, to, went for the punishment because he just questioned authority all the time. Justin, I think if there was a question of authority, it maybe happened twice his entire life. My daughter once, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. once questioned authority, which I'll get to that in a moment. So we need to adjust to them. But the reason why we have to discipline our kids is, again, is they're lacking character. Mm. Now, the characters break down to three simple things. And it's so important for us as parents to know what are they born without that is our responsibility to put in. Number one, morals and values. Mm-hmm. What governs us in what is right and wrong behavior? Now, um, I've got a little two-year-old granddaughter who we just love and adore out of my four that we have. And she's our youngest right now. But to watch this little girl, she's as sweet as ever. But boy, when she wants to be a little, a little pistol and you watch her take things from her brother and just perfectly tick them off and bother them, her older brother, who's five, I mean, she is a little conniver. Now, who taught her? absolutely nobody i mean here his her older brother's a sweetheart i mean little cave man he's just the sweetest little kid always wants everyone to be happy with him she is nothing like him mm -hmm. he's a wants to be the boss if there's something that he needs to climb i don't care if i could fall off i mean she is completely different this sin nature is in us mm -hmm. and so we are born without morals and values which the, what is right and wrong behavior. And so uh, that's the first reason why we needed to, to disciple them, 
which is our call, through example and by instruction. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9 are great verses that, that relate to both the exemplifying uh, morals and values, but also instilling them and discipling our own children. Majority of Christians today do not, especially fathers, never were discipled by their daddies, so they, ne they never learned how to have a disciple, disciple their five, six-year-old, seven, all the way up to teenagers. They've never learned, they've never done it, and yet no one has more influential spiritually than their earthly fathers, given to them, anointed them by God. No one has more power than that man, and most men have never been discipled, encouraged, and exhorted, and or shown how to disciple their own children. And both parents need to know that environment that they create uh, in the home is just as important to that, again, that discipleship. So the first thing that they're lacking is morals and values. Second is personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. The ability to take responsibility for the things that they need to do or they're asked to do without anyone having to stand over them and tell them. Now, you have children. They have... Uh, they have uh, rules they have uh chores how often do you get to remind them every day <laughs> All right. so, and i'll show you real briefly how to fix that but anyway is that uh they are it is common they, they don't want personal responsibility they want all the freedom but no responsibility right yep. no child is born with it hmm. none and so there's a there's a few ingredients i want to cover before we end i promise that you need to do the personal responsibility. And the next one is self-control. The ability to govern yourself emotionally and physically. Hmm. Your sister just took your toy. Your first thought is smack her in the head. Okay, well, self-control tells me I better think through this, think through the consequences and you know, get control of myself before I do this. My buddies wanna start throwing rocks at a window uh, it's not my house, but no one lives there. So that sounds like fun, looks exciting. Well, self-control, tell me, I best not do that because uh, that's the, kind of the wrong thing. And I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to, whatever. So these three things are the things every child is born without. And this is so important to know for several reasons. One is, how can a husband and wife be in unison in a, a, a disciplined plan if they don't know what the goal is? Right. You got it. They got to. OK, yeah, that's right. All three of them. And every mistake a child will make will fall in one or a combination of those three things. Every single one mm -hmm. is one of those three or a combination of one. And so God says, look, at, I want you to know this. So when they do it, you don't act surprised. Like, oh, oh, my God. You know, you, we, get, we have these reactions. Yeah. And, and the we don't realize we're telling your kid every time we do that is you're broken. Wow. There's something wrong with you. You're broken. There's something wrong with you. And after 10,000 times of that response to your children, you wonder why they gravitate toward unhealthy relationships, drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, gender confusion, all the rest of stuff. We are being used by the enemy out of ignorance because of our responses. Wow. God says, look, I give them to you without these things. Quit acting surprised when you see it. When it's manifested, smile. You mm. know, it's like, yeah, poor choice. <laughs> you just gave me an opportunity to train. Wow. Mm. 
So that that having that goal, so you can be unified and 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 exercising self-control to yourself when they break one of the rules. If you stop for a second and think of those three things, you're gonna know, okay, that falls in that category. Oh, this is one of those. Okay, but that's why we discipline. Hmm. So um, knowing and agreeing on that is important. So let me give you the four things that helps a child learn the uh, self-control and personal responsibility. The first one, morals and values, values is through that loving environment, exemplifying Jesus Christ yourself and discipling your children. Mm -hmm. And in the books we have shows them how to do it for different age groups and whatever when it comes to a discipleship plan. The other, the other two, self-control and respons personal responsibility, you need four things. Number one is written rules. Who gave us the best example? Jesus. God. God. What do you write them on? The Bible. Stone. Yeah, he wrote a oh, stone. stone. Yeah. He had 10. Now, I tell parents, pretty, you can do less than 10. And we give you lots of examples in the, in the material, in the books, for different age groups. So uh, you want to have less than 10 if all possible. And we show you how to do that. Mm -hmm. And the reason, how can a husband and wife be unified? How can a husband lead? And how can a wife follow if they're not written? Mm -hmm. They yeah. won't. Yeah. They change, they add, they're, they're ignored. You know, there's no unity, no consistency. And you provoke your children to become manipulators. Mm. Wow. So when you two sit down together and you write out your rules, like number one, respect mom and dad. And let me just give you some... You know what that means when i ask you to do something i'm asking you once if you act like you didn't hear me selective hearing you're asking for the discipline if you if there's blowback immediately ah that's that's there's your discipline um if i have to ask you know so you define what respecting the two of you mean when if you ever you know speak to us with anger or or frust you know or, or disrespect it's immediate discipline first rule respect mom and dad it's the first a commandment that deals with man to man, man to woman, is honor your father and your mother. So that's got to be your first rule. To every number two is a predetermined discipline to every rule. Again, how can a husband and wife be unified if there's different ideas being used based upon your feelings and emotion at the moment? Is is if and when and how you're going to discipline? You talk about disunity provoking uh, uh, manipulation and also provoking hatred with the strong-willed child. Mm. As he observes you being a lot more patient and inconsistent with the patient, with the compliant one, because he or she does something wrong every fourth day to their five a day. Mm. And so having a predetermined discipline to every rule is so important. Now the word discipline means a form of training. And number three is a, uh, a predetermined punishment. So when you look at Hebrews 12, five and six, it says that, you know, who the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges. Mm -hmm. That word scourge means a measured amount of pain to motivate. Now, it's really important, those two verses, uh, five and six, is the first word is discipline. The second word is scourge or punishment. Parents don't know the difference between the two. So they go right from you break a rule, man, you're punishing you. That's not what God does. 
He goes, look at the fact that they failed proves to them and you they're not done yet. Mm -hmm. So you have to respond with the right attitude in the right way. Hey, you just prove you're not having no morals and values, no personal responsibility, no self. So here's a predetermined discipline. When you yield your authority and you go do that discipline, you're, you are going to grow this much. Mm -hmm. This much toward the goal of getting these characters. And these characters are like a muscle. Uh -huh. You don't visualize bench pressing 300 pounds and then do it. You lay yourself on the bench and you work out and work up to, and eventually you hit that goal. And the same thing, the same attitude needs to be understood toward these three principles of morals, values, personal responsibility, self-control. And so every time a child yields to the authority, does the discipline that's predetermined, I'll give you an example in a moment, they will grow, but it's, it's, it's small portions each time. Mm -hmm. And then if the child says, no, I refuse, God's perfect plan and the authority he gave me, and I refuse to be disciplined. Now they're asking for the motivator, the measure, the punishment of the scourging. So we show them in the books of how to use spanking properly, mm -hmm. properly to motivate them to yield to the discipline. And the spanking does not replace the discipline. It's a spanking. Then there's a time for them to ponder and yet life doesn't start back up again, whatever freedom, until they go do the discipline. Hmm. Now, how many times must that happen before the child realizes, you know, if I just do the discipline, I won't get the pain. Hmm. Right. Okay, you get, I'll give an example. I get a strong-willed mule. He just, they, they're born, they think of life this way. I must rule, I must lead, and I must be in control. Now, why they think that way at three or four or five years old, they have no concept. Their cognitive ability does not give them the ability to understand why God wired them that way. They're leaders, they're Peters, they're Pauls, and we need them in Christendom. I'm one, my oldest son is one. And so they don't know why they're wired that way. They think rules are suggestion. And so when you say, here's the discipline, they have a battle going on in their mind. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, oh, I've been yielding. And they're just having this battle going on inside. And now we have to understand that without compromise. So when they don't do it, you let them know if you sit in that chair that you're for that, you know, doing what you did, that's three minutes in the chair because you're three. If your little butt gets out of that chair before that three minutes is up, you're getting two squats in the butt and you're back in the chair. Mm -hmm. And you will finish that three minutes and we'll do this all day long. But you are not getting out. If you get out of that chair for that three minutes goes up, you're asking for. So we give different age group forms of discipline as they get older, how to introduce work. God knew how to use work. Is a oh, you go do a window, go wash that window, go vacuum that floor. Go, you have a whole list of all those summer things that you don't like to do, mom. Spring cleaning. You have a whole list of things that that can be done that are tied to rules that they go do now, and it has to be done right. And it's really good to do something that's productive. And in in the material, I get some important explanations for why that needs to be done. And and work is something that's very very important, and useful for disciplines. If they refuse the discipline, then what is the proper way of punishment, which follows? And so, like for older children, uh, when they hit, usually by 8 to 11 or 12, you want to move away from spanking, if, if all possible, you really want to. And then it goes to shutdown, which means you go to your room, you get a book, and you get your homework, you got chores, and that's your life. Mm -hmm. 
And if it's, if it's three minutes or 30 days, it's up to you, honey. Mm-hmm. And when kids, this is stupid. I've been here for two days because I won't do the windows. Yeah, kind of dumb. It'll take you, what, about maybe four and a half minutes to clean that window inside out? And you would have been out and life would be free, but you're choosing punishment instead. I guess, you know, I'm, you're, you're 14. I've got four more years. I'll wait you out. So we show parents how to introduce other forms of punishment other than corporal. And in even using corporal punishment, we give some real clarity of when and how and why not to use corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. It is a good punishment done correctly. Yes. And there's a lot of parents that do it wrong with anger, with with material, with sticks and whips and, and all kinds of other things, and, and use it for discipline instead of punishment. That's when it's out of order. Mm-hmm. A kid needs to understand the, what they just blew, what they just made the mistake by breaking the rule. And it doesn't matter if they meant to or not. We often, wait, did you mean to do that? What a silly question. Right. Does, does God say that to us? Craig, did you mean to say that? Uh, well, no, God, I just felt in the moment. It just came out of my mouth. Okay, but you know what to do. God doesn't care about our meanings. It happened. You deal with it. You follow through it. You follow with the discipline, whatever God said to do. And if you don't use that discipline, you're going to ask for that motivator that's going to come. You know, most people don't realize God is disciplining all of us. He says, I promise to complete that work in you. Mm-hmm. People don't realize when you sin against God, even ignorantly, God says, now I want you to accept my discipline by confessing it to me and asking forgiveness. When we don't, what happens to our peace, our oh. joy, mm-hmm. our contentment, power, grace? I mean, it, grace, is, grace is there, but the grace of flowing through us of love seems to have a clog in it. Mm-hmm. Depression, anxiety, fear, doubt are all the things that come. And the devil's right there saying, you feel this way because it's your spouse or your child. And God's going, no, it's your sin. Wow. You're not cooperating with my discipline. You're not confessing it. You're blaming and justifying what your behavior is. And you're not, you, you don't even know how to cooperate with my plan. And so now you're asking for the pain. The, the no joy, peace. These are, this is God's way of getting our attention. So God used this plan from the beginning. All four or 5,000 years of history that we have is all written out. Hebrews 12, 5, and 6 really defines it in the, in the two verses very clearly. So the fourth one that's really important that parents need to in, uh, use is consistency. Mm. Yep. When parents are inconsistent, you provoke your children to wrath. You provoke them to manipulation. And you're not seeing discipline as the love of Christ. You are basically saying indirectly, I love my son and daughter more than I love you, God, because I want them to like me more than you. Even though you say if I follow through in the correct way, I'm loving them. I refuse to accept this because of their attitude and response to me to see it as love. Wow. It's huge. It is. With what I just ran through, brothers and my dear sister, how many Christians are suffering? today because not having any clue of this 45 50 minutes about 95 percent, if not more yeah i can even say that i had no idea that discipline and scourging were two different things yeah i I didn't know (laughs) i just know that i was uh 
forged in my own childhood. And I knew that I didn't want to do that with my own kids because of the overboardness of uh, what I had to go through. So I kind of looked at it as a sense that, man, I don't want to do with what my father taught me. Um, I did spank my children, but I was always very, very aware of, man, I could go overboard. And it was out of anger a lot of times, uh, to be quite honest. You know what I mean? Oh, man. And they've done that. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just, I'm shameful. My son hit the wall when he was two or three years old uh, uh, and not, you know, not across the room, but, uh, and slid into bed more than once because mm-hmm. of my anger. I mean, and then I walk, I go out of the room, I'm going, oh my God, I'm ready to explode. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and then, you know, so I know what that feels like. Yeah. yeah. And uh, man, when, when God, when he got my attendance at Craig, this is me. I was like, I was just filleted. I mean, I was that close to like my experience when I got saved. I was just weeping like a baby going, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when I embraced his perfect personality as a gift from God, as part of my tool. Matter of fact, he traveled with me for probably two years, did worship when I was doing, you know, stuff on our all around the United States. He would come up after him and say, because he'd do the worship and stuff. Hey, is it okay? Is it all right for your daddy to be telling these stories about you? And he goes, Are you kidding? Man, I was a hand of God in my daddy's life. <laughs> he takes it with pride. And and he's he's just a wonderful, mm. wonderful son. And uh that strong willingness by the time he was 14, 15, really saw the fruit of that when a lot of his friends were making some very, very poor choices. So uh, you know, but raising him. Mm-hmm. was a challenge but a perfect one designed for his daddy yeah okay. oh go ahead sorry babe. oh i was gonna say and for i know there's a ton of parents out there and even some people probably listening today that they've done it wrong you know what i mean and they have that shame and that guilt because i know i've experienced it i'm sure my husband's experienced it we're hearing that you've experienced it but there is hope and you can change and turn your relationship around with your children if you start following these principles i know that the consistency thing for us has really changed things for our daughter in a huge way you know one of the things you just said you know um god's grace and mercy is new every day and a lot of parents one way i go because we do i do most of my stuff is on discipleship these days and helping churches get a handle of discipleship what is it and how to in, in, incorporate these things into their discipleship mo- model of their church. And, uh, but I speak in front of a lot of men's group and what have you, a lot of older people think, well, my, you know, yeah, I, I was convicting, but I didn't do the right thing. What do I do now? And so, uh, you know, God says his grace is new every day. If, if a parent hears something and they go, man, I didn't know, uh, they need to go to, to investigate, learn, Mm-hmm. Then go to their sons and daughters and say, you know what? I need to tell you something. I need to ask her for your forgiveness. Yeah. Yes. Because the devil and their flesh will use their, their mistakes, the parents' mistake, as a tool to keep them from trusting God and to continue this evil or this generational sin. And so that father or that mother has the power to go and, and open the door to start the healing process. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have so many stories of whole families being transformed and coming to know the Lord out of a mother or a father or both of them going to their children 
each of them and asking for forgiveness and not just general, I'm sorry we messed up, but hey man, we now know our fighting, our in disunity, these are things where we're, we're wrong and we're asking for your forgiveness, please do. And to see the healing process take place, it's, it's wonderful. So it's never too late. But the other reason why is because every person's called to be a disciple. So those people who failed, when, when they sit at a table with another young couple or another man that comes to a small group, men's group or whatever else, I mean, when that man shares he's having a problem with his kids or his wife, uh, you think that man's going to take the opportunity to disciple that guy? Heck no, because no. he knows he failed. But when he goes through, it takes the time to learn, goes and deals with the forgiveness. He now has the ability to say, you know what? I made some mistakes too, but I found some material that just changed my life and brought healing to my family. And I'm willing to go on that journey with you. Mm. Yes, yes. No, I agree with you 100%, Pastor. Um, like you guys heard on the on the, the show there is material out there. You can find that at fdm.world. Um, Pastor, um, you got, you're doing some great, amazing things. I'm just so blessed to have you be able to come on our show, share with us. And I look forward to falling under discipleship with you. Um, this is amazing stuff, guys. So check it out. If you guys don't know how to do biblical discipline or, or if you have any questions about disciplining in your home, follow Pastor Craig and his ministry, FDM Ministries. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. God bless you both. God bless you too.